Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, October 23rd, 2020. Better known as Game Day Eve. My goodness, this is crazy. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. Jay Book, we've only had to wait uh, about 10 months for Buckeye football. I, it just feels so good that it's Game Day Eve. I'm so fired up, Dave. I mean, I, I at one point I didn't think this day was going to come, and now that we're here, if I feel like a kid on Christmas, um, when Ohio State football uh, media and video team released that hype video, uh, I shed a tear. I will proudly admit that it was <laughs> it was it was masterful. It was very well done. And it just kind of hit me like we finally made it. And just seeing the guys uh, releasing little clips on their Instagram and social media, the, uh, them dancing in the locker room and how excited they are. It just really, it really gets the juices flowing. Oh, my goodness. Uh, a little more than 24 hours before kickoff. Maybe it'll be less than 24 hours when people who are listening to the show. Uh, again, feels just phenomenal to say that. It's just going to be so much fun watching the Buckeyes and the Huskers tomorrow. Let's get into this game. Uh, Buckeyes favored by 26. I gave my prediction on Wednesday's show. We also did uh, staff predictions uh, that'll come out later today, but I already gave my uh, prediction on the show on Wednesday. 45 to 17 is what I have at 45, Nebraska, 17, Ohio State is my prediction. I'm kidding. 45, Ohio State, 17, Nebraska is my prediction. Jay Book, how do you think this game is going to go as far as the flow and what's your final prediction score? Yeah, I think it's going to be a situation where Ohio State will definitely try to establish themselves up front early. They're going to lay on that veteran and very talented offensive line to really get get things moving up front. They have to definitely get uh, uh, Teague and Trey Sermon established, so I think that's imperative. I do think Justin Fields will be uh, an integral part in the running game. He will be able to break a couple runs off. But I, I just think that Ohio State's offense is going to be very talented. I'm I'm very curious and uh, interested to see how Kerry Combs does. A lot of people talk about the the players, but to me, Kerry Combs calling his first game as a defensive coordinator is something that I'm in, extremely interested in because I, I do think Nebraska will be able to move the ball a little bit early. This is a, a, a Nebraska offense under year three under Scott Frost. So a lot of those guys, especially Martinez, have played in his system. So I do think they have an established rapport now. At least they should after him being in the program for so long. So I, I do think Nebraska will be able to put a little bit of points up. So I'm calling it 48-20 with Ohio State still covering the spread here. I just think the Ohio State offense with all of the talent, especially on the outside with Alave. Garrett Wilson and, and the young freshman and Juice Williams, I think they're going to be able to really excel there. If, if you look at the talent at the wide receiver, Nebraska doesn't have enough bodies, enough corners, talented enough to check those guys. So I just think it's going to be a matter of Justin Fields picking and choosing who he wants to throw to. But early on, let's get the running game flowing first establish the offensive line, allow those guys to get dirty in the trenches. Once you do that, it will open everything else up for you. That's interesting. We Our scores are almost identical. We each have the Buckeyes winning by 28, 45-17 for me, 48-20 for you. Yeah, and your point about Nebraska's offense and Ohio State's defense being an unknown, whereas Nebraska's offense is not an unknown, 
they underachieved last year, but they have 10 starters back. Uh, and if Martinez isn't playing well, now they have Luke McCaffrey that they can turn to who they're high on as well. Uh, and you never know, Martinez might, you know, finally live up to his potential as a junior, if not as a redshirt freshman, McCaffrey's ready to roll. Um, Ryan Day said they recruited, you know, both those guys and, you know, uh, as as a, as a, a coach will, he, he's talking up the opponent and talking up the both those guys. But I look at this Nebraska offense. Um, yeah, I won't even be surprised, even though my prediction is 45-17, I won't be surprised if it's more like something like 52-24. Like Nebraska is going to be able to move the ball, like you said, and um, we'll see how they do when they're inside the 20th. Maybe Ohio State can have some bend but don't break. But I don't expect Ohio State's defense to be elite like it was last year. And just looking at this game, Nebraska, like I said, 10 returning starters on offense, all five returning starters on their offensive line. And, and those are some big boys up there. And Ohio, as we know, Jonah, Ohio State's weakness is depth at defensive tackle. I think they have a really good one in Tommy Togiai. Everybody else is really a question mark in my mind at D tackle for the Buckeyes. I think they're really deep and talented at defensive end. There's no doubt about that. But that could be an area where Nebraska could get some stuff done. Nebraska's offensive line against what could be a weakness for Ohio State as far as depth at D tackle. What do you think about that? Yeah, and I'm going to start out by saying this. Relax, people. It's the first game. If the defense doesn't come out looking like the old Baltimore Ravens defense, don't freak out. Because <laughs> if you look if you look at the way college football has trended over the last several weeks when, when teams started out, the offenses were having their ways with defense. And the reason for that is is spring ball. A lot of these defenses did not have spring ball. And you look at a guy in Kerry Combs. Yes, he's a grizzled veteran as far as the coaching ranks, but this is his first time calling a defense at this type of level. And the fact that they weren't able to get those spring practices in, that will definitely set them back somewhere. I'm not saying that they're going to be bad. I just am not expecting a lights-out defense early on, especially against the Nebraska offense, as you mentioned, returning 10 guys there. I do think the defense, the defensive tackles is, is somewhat of a concern, but you have to look at it in this realm. If Ohio State offense is, is putting up points on the scoreboard, what is it going to do is going to force offenses to have to go into uh, a one dimensional type of game, which is we got to go, we got to score, we got to throw the football around. So that bodes well to Ohio State strength, which is the defensive ends and also including Baron Browning, who they believe is going to be a, a heck of a contributor uh, contribution, getting after the quarterback on the edge. So just having, uh, a one-dimensional Nebraska offense will bowl well, but I'm warning people, if Ohio State is not shutting these guys out early, you know why. It's because this is a funky season to start with, and you've seen it all across college football and NFL. Early on to start, the defenses struggled. They, they struggled to communicate because the game was moving a whole lot faster. These teams and, and, and Ohio State specifically – and the Big Ten, they've been going against each other for weeks now. Even before they were allowed to throw the pads on, it was seven-on-sevens and just helmets. And you've been going against your own team for weeks. Now that the game has arrived, the speed is a whole lot faster. The intensity is a whole lot faster. So after four months of going against your own guys, you get to taste a, a little bit new blood here and once that happens and the officials blow the whistle the game moves extremely fast 
Let's stick with the D tackles and get in, into some things that uh, Ryan Day talked about both on his coach's show yesterday and when he met with the media for about 15, 20 minutes after his coach's show via Zoom. Um, I was going to ask you about D tackles later, but we were already talking about it with uh, you know Nebraska's offensive line, which again, I think is going to be really good with all five starters back uh, against those Buckeye D tackles. Um, I mean, we know Togi is going to be good. If he stays healthy, he's going to be a stud, I think. He's the strongest guy on the team. He, he's been good as a true freshman and a sophomore as a backup, but now is, is his time. He's going to get a chance to play even on passing downs where he can rush the quarterback, something he didn't do at all last year. He was just a run stopper. Um, that's because they were so deep on a you know, D-tackle last year, which is ironic that, they're, that they have a you know, lack of depth this year. When I, throw guy, when I throw names at you like Antoine Jackson, I had a chance to ask Ryan Day about him and said all the right things, but – I don't know. I, I don't know if it was necessarily a glowing review. He just kind of said all the right things. But Antoine Jackson is a fifth-year senior, Jay Book. Jaden McKenzie as a redshirt freshman. Jerron Cage as a fourth-year junior. Maybe somebody else like Ty Hamilton, anybody else, Jacoby Cohen. Who's a guy or two that you think is going to step up there to go along with Tommy Togi? Yeah, I, you mentioned Jerron Cage. He's a guy that's been in the program for a while, a junior. They definitely need to need him to step up. He's one of the bigger guys at that defensive tackle, 6'2", 300. Um, and then Jaden McKenzie, I know he's a, he's a younger guy, freshman, but they really like him. Uh, they think that he has the potential. He's put on a lot of weight since he's entered the program. He's now up to 290. Uh, another actually be in the rotation is uh, Darian Henry because he, he, he was a kid that they were very high on, highly regarded early on in the recruiting process. He got hurt and then they dropped his rankings, but there's been a lot of people that think that he has the potential to really flash. And the, the storyline at the end of the day, when it comes to the defensive tackles is they have bodies there, but they're all young guys. The youth is is what is going to drive the success for the defensive tackles because Big Tom can't play 70, 80 snipes a game. They're going to need guys to step up. Antoine Jackson, I don't know how much he's going to really be a, a splash player. You don't necessarily need him to be an all big time i'm just looking at some of those younger guys in jaron cage and Jaden mckenzie and ty hamilton darian henry those younger guys we need them to step up and show that they can play at this level let's look at the other big guys on the team the offensive line we know wyatt davis and josh myers are outstanding that's all we'll say about them they're phenomenal i want to look at thayer mumford nicholas Nicholas Petit Ferrer and Harry Miller. Thayer Mumford will be a third-year starter, and then the two new starters, NPF at right tackle, Harry Miller at left guard. First of all, with Thayer, he's down down to 318 pounds from you know about up to 330, maybe a little bit more than that, and his back is healthy. So Thayer Mumford, left tackle, senior, down to 318, back is healthy. Nicholas Petit Ferrer up to 315. I think he came in about 265, soaking wet a couple years ago, and I was a third-year sophomore. Uh, he's going to be the guy at right tackle. They're going to make sure Paris Johnson plays a little bit. And they're going to get Dewan Jones in there, you know, at different positions. But NPF is going to be the starter. He's up to 315 pounds. And then Harry Miller is also up to 315. They called him powerful. Uh, big shoes to fill there with Jonah Jackson, as good as he played last year. But Harry Miller was a five-star recruit for a reason. So just your thoughts on Thayer Munford, Petit Ferrer, and Harry Miller, Jay Book. 
I'm very happy to hear that Thayer Mumford is healthy. And I, I thought that he struggled last year at times. And the reason for that, as you mentioned, the back and he was not right. He still gutted it out and, and, and played some some big minutes for the offensive line. But I just didn't think he played up to his potential. And having him healthy is huge. If he can stay healthy, I'm looking for him to have a monster year. Um, you look at some of those, the, the younger guys, Nicholas Petit Ferrer, is very impressive what he's done to his body as far as the transformation coming in at 260. He's now going to be uh, playing at 310, 315. I know um, the coaches say he's he's around 315 right now. And he's when you look at his recruiting rankings, he's the highest regarded guy on the offensive line as far as five-star, 99 rated, and 24-7 um, was pegging him as a potential first-round offensive lineman. So I'm curious to see if he can live up to those recruiting rankings. And anytime that you can win a starting position at Ohio State, the chances of you being drafted are extremely high. The spotlight will be on him. Uh, but the thing about it is he has some veteran guys that he's going to be playing next to, especially Wyatt Davis, who's going to help him out. And Josh Myers is a heck of a signal caller in the middle. and, and I would be remiss, you know, not not going into details about Harry Miller because he's another five star guy. I think Harry Miller is going to be an all Big Ten potential All-American. He is a very intelligent guy. Um, they really like the, 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 the mesh and the communication amongst those five guys right now. And that's going to be huge. Um, just having their veteran leadership up there with three guys who've who played a lot of minutes and those younger guys who are immensely talented, haven't played a ton of meaningful snaps. But if you look at their rankings, they're both five-star guys. So the talent is there and just meshing them with those veterans, it bodes well. And I was calling it earlier. I, it bodes well for them to be prob probably one of the best offensive line in school history. I'm with you. I've been saying the same thing. I think this will be one of the best, certainly, um, perhaps the best that we've seen in a long time. That includes 2013, and that's no disrespect to that line because that line was phenomenal. 1996 with Orlando Pace was phenomenal. 1994 with Orlando Pace and Corey Stringer was phenomenal. This one might end up being better than those three, which is saying a tremendous amount. Now, let's look at injuries. I think overall Ohio State's in, in good shape going into the season opener tomorrow. Um, there's, of course, a few exceptions. Court Williams, for those that don't know, tore his ACL. You know, Ryan Day said he was having a quote unquote great preseason before that happened. You know, but he was a guy that maybe was going to be at best the number three safety, uh, and is more of a hybrid safety outside linebacker anyway. But at, you know, he would have been playing behind Marcus Hooker and Josh Proctor, who were kind of one A one B at safety. So um, you know, you'd like you would have loved to see Court Williams play this year as a true freshman, but um, not a huge loss. Now we talked about D, uh, D tackle depth earlier, Jay Book. Haskell Garrett and Teron Vincent. I want you just to read between the lines for me. Everything you're hearing uh, from coaches, from sources, just, you know, I mean, it seems like they're saying, you know, they, they indicate that he's going to play at some point this season, but, you know, it's up to the doctors. Um, but the coaches aren't going to give us much. And, and you know, I, I don't blame them at all for that. But read between the lines. What do you think, uh, you know, is going to happen with Haskell Garrett and Teron Vincent this season? Yeah, well, Haskell Garrett um... – you never know. I mean, that's a pretty significant injury, a gunshot to the face. 
So who and and thank goodness he's okay. And the fact that he is even in the discussion of still playing football is a miracle unto himself. So I'm I hope that we can get him back. I don't know what type of form he will be in. The the good news is is he this is a free year of eligibility for him. So Haskell Garrett should be back again next year. Um, Teron Vincent, I, I just don't know about him, Dave. I mean, it, it's very up and down. I mean, the guy has been injured since he stepped on campus, and he's an immensely talented guy, former five-star. But he, when you're when you're that big in the position that you play, the fact that he keeps having shoulder injuries, it doesn't bode well. Uh, I don't know when he's going to come back. It's not like we're having a 12-game season here. Obviously, with the season cut short, Things are going to be moving extremely fast. So unless he has a significant breakthrough in rehab and, and as things get rolling, I'm not sure where he's going to make an impact. We do need him, obviously, with the depth there. Um, but I, it, to me, if you can get any of those guys, either one of those two guys back, it's just a cherry on top. It's, it's, a, it's a luxury amongst themselves because you're not necessarily counting on them to play. But if they can contribute anyway, it's a bonus. It's always a bonus having Jonah Booker on the Bucknuts Morning 5. Always coming strong on a Friday. Thank you, Jay Book. Thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning in to the show. As always, if you like the show, leave us a five-star review and subscribe. It really helps. Thanks again to Jay Book. Thank you to the listeners out there. Have a great day and a great weekend, Bucknutters. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Mm-hmm.